A song of ascents of David. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. You know, one of my favorite Jack Johnson songs, uh, you probably could guess which one it is. Maybe you like this one too. It's called Better Together. Uh, I heard that song and I thought as I heard it the first time, that is so sweet. That's the way I feel about Gina. And uh, I want to read you a few words uh, from Jack Johnson. There's no combination of words that I could put on the back of a postcard. No song that I could sing, but I can try for your heart. Because our dreams are made out of real things, like a shoebox of photographs with sepia-toned loving. It's always better when we're together. Yeah, we'll look at those stars when we're together. It's always better when we're together. Now, I had to look up the meaning of this word, this uh, song just to make sure I was not mistaking it. We sent tend to interpret these things uh, to our situation. So I went to the authoritative site on song lyrics. This is Yahoo Answers. Um, and it is, what is the meaning of the Jack Johnson song, Better Together? And this is the, and it's in, it was in bold green, best answer chosen by voters on the site. Now, you know, it's got to be true if it's on the internet and chosen by voters, right? Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> But I really like what this, this young lady said. She said, here's what I think the song means. It, it's saying that in day-to-day -day life, you have to live it. And it's better when you have someone you love with you. And that it's the little moments that count and, you, and that you keep with you. That sometimes it's hard to express how much you love that person. You just know that life is better with them. Can we have a collective aww? <laughs> well, let me tell you something. In a much more profound way, that's what David in this psalm is saying. It's better when we're together. This is the blessing of God. It is unity in community. If I were to put it in a sentence, it would be something like this. It's better when we're together because that's where God pours out his blessing. First of all, we realize it's just better. This unity in the community, it's just better. Behold, verse 1, behold, it means look, means see. It's like here comes something that you need to not miss. Here comes something, red letter, double underlined, italicized. Behold, see, it's better when we're together. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's, uh, he says, behold, see how good it is. Good meaning desirable. Good meaning that it's um, beneficial. And, and he says, it's not just good, but it's good, how, how good and how pleasant, meaning how wonderful. The, literal, the word literally means sweet. It means pleasant. It means beautiful. The, 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 the literal Hebrew word for pleasant is the, is the name, now the name, Naomi. Behold how good in Naomi it is, how good and how 
pleasant it is. And, and what David is saying is, this is the good life. This is the good, the good and pleasant life from God is in unity in community. Now, you want to live the good and pleasant life? Of course you do. We Americans are always chasing after the good life, and the good and pleasant life would even be, even be better, wouldn't it? Well, it's about walking with God who loves you and walking together with others in the context of his church. You want the good and pleasant life? That's what it's about. Walking with God who loves you by grace, walking with each other in the context of his church. You see, all this was in the context of worship. This was one of the Psalms of Ascent as the, the Hebrews would leave their little towns and they would get on the highways and byways going up, literally ascending to Jerusalem for the great feast. And they would all be together and they would all be singing together and talking together and laughing together and sharing meals together. And when they got there, maybe the Feast of Tabernacles, they'd be living and camping out together. You know, there's, 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 the, and it's all heading toward the temple where we worship together. It's better, David says. It's better when we're together. Second thing is, is this idea of our togetherness. When we're together, behold, how good and how pleasant it is, quote, when brothers dwell together in unity. So we have to ask, don't we, who are the brothers? All right? It doesn't say when, when mankind dwells together. It doesn't, you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't say when neighbors dwell together. It says when... It's so good and pleasant when, when brothers dwell together in unity. So who are the brothers? Well, let me just tell you, brothers are not the same as neighbors. Uh, neighbors are all the people God has put in your life. And we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's part of the great commandment. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Brothers and sisters are different from neighbors. Brothers and sisters are those that God has put in your life and beyond the people he's put in your life who belong to the Lord and who love the Lord and are dedicated to him. And so, you know, the, the brothers, and in the Old Testament, brothers represents everybody. That's the male headship thing. It's, it's brothers and sisters. It's, it's God's people. So God's people are going up together. And where are they going? They're going to the temple. And if you know about temple worship, not just anybody could go into the core part of the temple. Now, there was a, a court of the Gentiles for people who were seeking God. It was a, the largest part of the temple actually saying, hey, God wants people, you know. But, but, but where the, the sacrifices happened and, and where the core stuff of worship was going on, you had to be a brother. You had to be a Jew. You, ha you, had, to, you had to be... A practicing Jew. Only the brothers. Brothers is shorthand for the people of God, the people of the covenant. How good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Now, we read in 1 Peter 2, 5 that as Christ has come, we are the new temple. We are the living stones. And let me read it. For you yourselves in Christ, you yourselves are living stones being built up as a spiritual temple to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are the temple. We are the brothers and the sisters like those Jews going up to temple worship at that time, our fellow believers in Christ. And we have a different relationship with our brothers than we do with our neighbors. Now, don't get me wrong. 
both relationships are love relationships. Both relationships are sacrificial relationships. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. We are to give ourselves to our neighbors. We are to sacrifice. We are to show Christ uh, to our neighbors. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, meaning to our neighbors. Let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Did you catch that? There's a distinction between neighbors and brothers. Let us do good to everyone. Let's love everybody, but especially those who are of the household of faith. Because now we're talking about our kin in the Lord. And it's just different with kin, isn't it? We know a little bit about that down here in Mississippi. It's just different with kin. It is. It's closer with kin. I remember when I came to know Christ, I was in the fraternity house, and these guys had shared the gospel with me, and they shared the gospel with me and shared the gospel with me, and I put them off, and I rejected them, rejected the gospel, the whole nine yards, and uh, the Lord brought me to himself in a pretty dramatic fashion, and I went back over, over a Christmas holiday, I went back and basically told them, here's what happened to me, and they said, you're a Christian, you know, I can't believe you're a Christian. And uh, my now brother-in-law, the guy my sister married, I think he led me to the Lord to marry my sister or something like that. But uh, I'll never forget, he, he grabbed me at, at dinner one night and he said, look, we have a, we have a prayer meeting once a week in, in so-and-so's room here in the fraternity house. Would you like to come? And I said, okay. You know, I, I never prayed out loud or anything like that, you know. I was raised in an elegant liberal church. We usually don't do that stuff. And um, so I followed him up to the, to, to the room, and, and I'll never forget knocking on the door of that room. Now, you've got to understand, the people behind that door, I had persecuted every single one of them for being a Christian for two years. And I did not know what I was going to get when that door opened. But when that door opened and I came in, and Henry said, I told you he'd come. Joseph, welcome to our family. And they got up. They were all sitting on their bunk beds and everywhere on the floor. They all got up and they hugged me and they welcomed me to the family. And I forget, uh, they said, one of them grabbed me and said, come, come down here on your knees with me. And we just kind of bent over the, the bed on, on our knees together. And he said, I, I'll, I'll pray. And then if you can pray, you can pray. And he just put his arm around me while we prayed. I thought, wow, you know what? I'm one of them now. I'm one of the brothers you see, how blessed, how, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. But the phrase is dwelling together. Now, can I just say that this is really important for evangelicals like us? An evangelical, in case you're not sure what that is, it gets kind of bandied about. Uh, it means a Bible-believing Christian or maybe a conservative Christian that believes that, that the Bible is the Word of God. That's the basic view of what an evangelical is. I know other people add a lot of stuff to that. Um, but even, as evangelicals, we, we tend to think of our unity primarily as truth unity or doctrinal unity. Um, in other words, we are unified with people who also believe the Bible. We are unified with people who believe Jesus was born a virgin, died on the cross, uh, rose from the dead, etc. And that is very important because without doctrinal or truth unity, you don't really have any Christian unity because you don't have Christ and you don't have brothers 
So I'm not trying to downplay that, but that tends to be where we go with our talk of unity. We're not those people, we're these people because we believe this. But the word here is dwelling together in unity. You see? Um, and it's not just unity of purpose. Sometimes as evangelicals, the other thing we, we think of unity is who we're locked arm with in, in the world for the kingdom of God. Whether they're in Japan or, or, or wherever, and we're all unified in the Great Commission. Now, again, you're not hearing me nod that. Without the Great Commission, we don't have a unifying purpose, right? And without the Scriptures, we don't have Christianity. But this... Unity, behold how good and how pleasant it is when the brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. This is not just, this is beyond doctrinal unity and kingdom unity. This is a kind of unity of love that actually is transacting with other people in a given place. This is a unity of relationships is what this is. This is unity in community. One scholar said the pilgrims uh, went up to Jerusalem. Uh, they were very, these, these pilgrimages where this psalm was sung over and over and over for all the years, they were very communal experiences, and so were the great feasts, where the people of God not only shared commitment spiritually, but actually shared time and worship and conversation and meals and laughter together. And you've got to keep in mind that this, this, this pilgrimage came out of an already communal experience in what we would consider very small towns, where people never moved away, where it was built for generational, you know, grandparents, great-grandparents, and people living together and and all of this, and families being connected to families, and all this being connected to temple or, or to synagogue later. Um, they were very together. And so, you know, you, you kind of get a sense of, wow, you know, what we're seeing here is, is dwelling together in a place around their faith, dwelling together on a trip, dwelling together in Jerusalem. There's a lot of face time in this unity that we find in Psalm 133. And that's probably why it's so joyful. That's probably why it's so blessed. Could it be, and this is challenging to, to modern people. It just is. Could it be that life is still most good and most pleasant when the brothers and sisters dwell together in unity? And could it be that as we tirelessly are seeking the good life, then we miss it sometimes. Only to find that it was here, right here with us, all alone. In the brothers and sisters that God has given us. And we just never saw it. Someone said, and I couldn't track down who um, said this, it was recommended in, in one of my commentaries, Relational life is not a mere accessory to spiritual life. It is the heart of it. Could it be that the meaning of life is relationship with God and with one another? Behold, see, look how, how good and, and how pleasant it is when the brothers dwell together in unity. So it's good, pleasant, it's better when we're together. 
And thirdly, because that's where God pours out His blessing. And we see examples of the joy of unity in community. Uh, In this psalm, the blessing comes down from God. And we have to remember something about God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Before anything was ever created, God existed together, the three persons, in perfect community, love, sharing, family love. And so there is utter joy and overflow. There is just beauty in the and the unity in community in the Trinity. If we have unity among the brothers, it's, it's only a reflection of the very nature of God as a relational God. And so, and so unity in community comes down from God. In fact, we'll see that the most important word really in the text is down. Things are just coming down, and they're coming down, and they're coming down to us in this passage. Verse 2, it is like precious oil on the head... Running down on the beard. On the beard of Aaron. Running down, you see, on the collar of his robe. So it comes to his head. It runs down on his beard. Down to the collar of his robe. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon. Hermon, literally, but I'm too much of a redneck to say Hermon. Uh, It's like the dew of Mount Hermon, which falls down on Mount Zion. Or the ESV says, the mountains of Zion, where Jerusalem is. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. And so we have two pictures of, of, the, of the blessing of how God's joy, His blessing flows down to us through unity. The first is this notion of oil being poured on the head of Aaron. And we're like, what does that mean? Well, it's actually very important because Aaron is the high priest and really Aaron's kind of code for all the high priests. And when God set apart the high priest, that would be the person who did the the sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the nation. All this is kind of prefiguring Jesus, who will be our great high priest, you see. So the setting apart of the high priest has to do with our connection with God and grace, and we'll get there in a minute. But when they set apart the, the high priest as opposed to other priests, other priests, they had a little mixture of oil and some spices, and they kind of sprinkled it on the head, right? Well, there's a recipe in, um, in Exodus 30 that has to do with uh, this, Exodus 30, 22 through 24, if you want to see the recipe. There's a gallon of oil, pretty much what we would, we would consider a gallon. A gallon of oil mixed with cinnamon, uh, let's see, cane, like sugar, myrrh, and, and, and acacia. And so, you got to understand, um, this isn't going to be a sprinkling of oil, you know, even when David was set apart with a little horn of oil, poured, you know, to be the king. This is a gallon! And this oil smells so beautiful and fragrant. And this, these are precious spices. It's all made up into this mix. So when the oil is poured down, setting apart Aaron, literally being that, that priest for the people, this picture of grace, you could just, the fragrance of this oil. And so, can you imagine having a gallon of olive oil poured on your head very slowly? Where, where would it go? It would just go all the way down. And if you have a beard, let's see, Lee's got a beard. If you have a beard, it's going on your beard. It's going on your clothes. It's, it's going all the way down. That's the picture. From God comes the blessing through the high priest to the people. And still, through Jesus Christ, our high priest, 
the blessing comes. I remember watching, and I've watched it several times. I really recommend it to you. There was an old miniseries called Anno Domini. It followed one of the Jesus movies that was on TV in the 70s when I was growing up. And, uh, but it was Anno Domini. I first saw it on television. And Ben Vereen, some of you remember Ben Vereen. Ben Vereen had this really warm, big smile. An African-American uh, actor, uh, incredibly gifted singer, dancer. Ben Vereen played the part of the Ethiopian eunuch in Anno Domini. He was perfect. You know, there he is in all his robes and his fineries in the chariot. Philip appears to him and, you know, Philip comes up in the chariot and Ben Vereen says, I, I don't understand what Isaiah 53, who is, the, who is this about? And, you know, Philip basically says, it's about Jesus. And Philip opens the scriptures so that the Ethiopian eunuch can see that salvation comes through the action of God, through, through a Savior. And so, you know, so he, he trusts in the Lord right there in the chariot and he says, just like the Bible says, look, there's water. What, what keeps me from being baptized? And the answer, of course, is nothing. So we stop the chariot. Philip and Ben Vereen get down from the chariot. And they go into the water. And I love this as a Presbyterian. They're, he's not going to dunk him in the water. They go, they go, they go knee deep in the water. Um, Philip, played by whoever, whoever played Philip, takes this huge ladle of water like a gourd puts it over Ben Vereen's head and just pours slowly this massive amount of water. And I can just, what's, what's in my mind, the reason I'm telling you this, is this picture of Ben Vereen's smile and excitement about his salvation as the water just pours in slow motion over his head. There is just this, this kind of flow of joy in that baptism. Just like there is a flow of joy in this profuse blessing that comes through the anointing of this oil. It's like, the, it's like a gallon of oil. The blessing is so great and so much like grace and so wonderful. Second picture is, it's not just like the oil on Aaron's head. It's like the dew of, of Mount Hermon uh, put on Mount Zion. Well, Mount Hermon is north and east of Jerusalem. Mount Hermon is the largest mountain in Israel. Mount Hermon is the mount, one of the mountains, few mountains that has snow on top, <laughs> you know. And um, Mount Hermon is, is up in an area in Israel kind of closer to the ocean than Jerusalem, to the sea rather, Mediterranean Sea. And there's an amazing amount of humidity in the area of Mount Hermon. And to this day, uh, there's wonderful agriculture there. Um, Caesarea Philippi is a, is a place of water that comes down out of Mount Hermon. And, and so when they sang this song, everybody knew it. Everybody knew about the oil on Aaron's head and the joy and the profuseness of it, the abundance of it. Everybody knew about the, the dew on Hermon. The dew on Hermon is famous. And then there's Mount Zion. Mount Zion, that's, you know, that's what Jerusalem's built on. Mount Zion's a little hill. Compared to Mount Hermon, right? Mount Zion is in a very dry and arid region of Israel, Jerusalem. So what is it saying here? You know, unity, dwelling together, is so good. It's so, God's blessing is so abundant. You know what it's like? It's like if you took all the dew on the dewiest mountain in Israel and collected all of it and picked it up and took it 
and just dropped it on Jerusalem. I mean, it would just be this flood of refreshment on this dry hill, this, this dry city. That's how great the refreshment and the joy of unity in community is. It's like oil running down to us. It's like the dew of Hermon on Mount Zion. Y'all, y'all catching this? Just flowing. They would have known what it is. But then the definitive statement, which is verse 3. For there the Lord has commanded his blessing, even life evermore. For there the Lord's... You could say that's Jerusalem, or you could say that is unity. And most people say it is in unity that the blessing of the Lord is commanded. In other words, it never fails. Why? Because God has said, I'm going to just pour oil. I'm going to pour refreshing dew. I'm going to give joy. I'm going to give goodness, and I'm going to give preciousness to those who dwell together in unity. I know you get this. I know you get it. Even as modern people, we get this. And I'll tell you why we get this. It's because that's why people love short-term mission trips so much. I mean, they love them for a lot of reasons. But one of the great reasons they love them is, you know, you're, you're kind of away from your real life, which is very separated from people very often. And you're just all together. And you're in a foreign culture and you've got to stick together and everything's new and so you've got to experience everything together down to the syllables of every word spoken down to the strange food you're going to eat because it's all a communal experience. And you have this unity in the, the doctrine of, of who Jesus is and you want to preach the gospel and you want to show and tell the gospel and you have this unity in the purpose of the Great Commission, right? And you say, now that is living I remember uh, an adult came and said, I, I just don't feel close to God except I'm when I'm on a mission trip. And I said, well, tell me about your church life. And he said, I guess I don't, do I? You see what I'm saying? It's like, whoa, we could take the experience of a mission trip and actually apply that to real life with the brothers and sisters if we wanted to. And God would command his blessing there. Greater than the blessing, are you ready for this? Greater than the blessing of our own comfort greater than the blessing of us not having the hassle of people, of our own control, of us getting what we want to get and not having to give what we don't want to give and controlling everything. Greater than that kind of joy is the joy of letting go and embracing and the, the oil and the, and, the, and the dew of refreshment. There the Lord commands His blessing. A few years ago, I, I took my then 16-year-old daughter, Emily, on a hiking trip to Colorado, we have a friend who said, we want you to use our place uh, up in Keystone. And, uh, and she's, a, she's a real hiker. And so, you know, we went hiking for five days in Colorado. Yeah, I was worn out. She wore me out. Um, but when we were planning this trip, I had this great idea. It was right before the, the Colorado RYM. For those of you who are visiting or don't know about this, we take our youth all the way out to Colorado for this great conference in the summers. And I thought to myself, I'm going to do something really great for my daughter. I'm going to plan this trip where we can fly out there, and I'll just drop her off at our way in. You see, what she's going like, to not have to do is like a 27-hour bus ride. So I said, hey, i got this great idea. We'll go to Colorado. I'll drop you. She goes, no. 
I mean, she immediately rejected my offer. I said, why? She goes, because I would miss the bus. <laughs> Dad, the bus is as important as the conference. You see, she got it. <laughs> she got it. And, 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 and the bus ride basically is, I mean, if I just show up, I'm not going to be as close to everybody. When the conference starts, it's people who've just spent 27 miserably wonderful hours together on a bus. <laughs> May I suggest to us that one of the reasons our lives simply are not as good and as pleasant as they could be, and we mistake our control over our lives for this relational, instead of this relational component as being where the goodness what we want our life to be like. May I, may I suggest to you that one of the reasons our lives are not as good and pleasant as they could be is that you and I are missing the bus. I want to ask you this morning, are you missing the bus? Listen, you can bank on this blessing. And, and I'll tell you why. Remember we talked about the high priest and the oil pour, and I mentioned that it's always through the high priest that, that we come to God. Well, let me tell you something. We have a high priest, Jesus, who not only is like a high priest offering sacrifices. You want to know how sure this relationship is, how automatic this blessing is, how God, all, why all God's promises are yes and amen in him? Because he offered himself once and for all as an atoning sacrifice for our sin and for us personally. And he did that simply because sinners cannot come into the immediate presence of God. They cannot be brought into the arms of God. And he did that for us. And it's irreversible for those who put their trust in our great high priest, Jesus. And, and, and he just pours the Holy Spirit out like fragrant oil. And he commands his blessing to this day on his people when they dwell together in unity. You know, um, it's only on the brothers and sisters. It's only on the brothers and sisters. And, and I want you to think about the greatest thing we get from God in our salvation from Christ. Immediately we say, well, we're justified. We're declared righteous. We're forgiven, man. I, and I'm not trying to put it in any specific order here, but I just want to point out something to you. Who would have ever thought that we'd be forgiven? Had to, took the action of another person, right, for us to be forgiven, Jesus on the cross. We're declared righteous. Basically, we get his righteousness. He takes our sin. But it's beyond just getting the, the, the slate erased. It's beyond getting a new title, a new, new title. We're adopted into God's family. As the Westminster Confession says, with all the rights and privileges of the sons of God. We are heirs, even... Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are God's children. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we might be called the children of God. And that is what we are. That is unbelievable. Well, God is our Father. And I appreciated the way we started the service of meditating on God as our Father. God is our Father. You know what that means? It's that... You're, we're the brothers and sisters. Christians are never only children. 
Christians cannot be only children, and we need to stop acting like only children. Christians have brothers and sisters. The question in Psalm 133 is not whether you've got brothers or sisters. The question is, what are you going to do with them? And what this means, well, it turns out that how we relate to them, as well as to God, is going to be a big determining factor on how good and pleasant our lives are. Or if God will command his blessing upon our lives in this way. Behold, look, see how good. And how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for salvation through our great high priest. Thank you for the oil of of the spirit of of symbolizing salvation and nearness and, and your blessing that just flows down to us. And thank you not only for this relationship as your sons, but also as brothers and sisters. And Lord, would you help us rethink in this modern situation that we find ourselves in what our relationship to the brothers and sisters are. Thank you for Highlands. God, thank you for the tailgate barbecue (laughs) cook-off bluegrass thing we had. Thank you for these communities getting together. And Lord, just so many opportunities, and and even in the community Sunday school that will follow, Lord, we pray that you would just give us a taste for unity in community, and that you would correspondingly pour out, command your blessing through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.